across Australia and the rest of the world. You're listening to I'm Rex Hunt and you're not. Lindsay Fox, it's lovely to speak to you, my friend. Good to talk to you, Rex. Well, you are an inspiration and you don't like me saying that, but uh, we've spoken a couple of times with you and Paula and Jeff and Felicity on the way home from the theatre, but... You got brought up in Pran after being born in Sydney. Tell us about your earliest recollections as a kid in Melbourne. Oh, okay. We came from Sydney. We lived in a boarding house in Johnson Street, Collingwood. We moved from there when I was about five. Uh, we moved into that place somewhere around four, four and a half. Five, we went to a place called 22 Stewart Street, Windsor where I stayed till I got married when I was 22. Uh, Stewart Street was a terrific street. There were about 60 kids in it, mm. and a lot of uh, Jewish migrants that came out with their kids prior to the Holocaust uh, that have sort of remained my friends throughout my life. Wow. Uh, and, and, and footy and cricket games in the street, in Stewart Street in those days, were just the norm in metropolitan Melbourne. Well, cricket for a start, was played on the horse trough down the end of the, the street where there was a, a section that looked like a set of stumps in the middle of the horse trough. Yes. And there was uh, Union Street, which went right and left to the end of Stewart Street. So you could straight drive, go to the leg or the off, and sort of run up Stewart Street to make your runs. Yeah. What's your earliest recollections, Lindsay Fox, of having, uh, well, you must have had an above-average ability in football that saw you play the game at the highest level, <laughs> but, but when did you really say, gee, I really love this game and uh, I reckon I can do OK? Well, I, I guess it started uh, in, uh, in, in the days of Stewart Street when we had a, a paper football that was uh, bound by a few elastic bands. It was the Sun newspaper folded over to the size of a, a football, roughly uh, four and a half to five inches long. And the goals were at one end between the fence in the front of the street and the light pole. And exactly the same thing about 50 yards down the road at the other end of the street. Mm. So it sort of started off there and then it went to to sock footballs and then it went from sock footballs <laughs> to hard footballs and we had to send them out regularly to the bootmaker so he could put a patch on both ends so we never got through to the bladder. The kids of today actually wouldn't understand what you're talking about because with the Big Mac for five bucks they can get a Sharon footy, Lindsay. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes today. And from there, I suppose I played football at school. Yes. Uh, went on to St Kilda in 19... Uh, 55 and played with the under 19s. 19, uh, no, when was it? 50, I'm just, no, it was 55, I'm yes, sorry. Yes. 55, the under 19s. 56, I captained the side. Uh, 57, I went to Ballarat in the Ballarat League and played for Golden Point. Yes. Uh, came back uh, to Killigrew at St Kilda in 58, 59, Jim Francis. Jim Francis in the 60, Jeans are in the 61. Yes. And uh, the end of the season, I, I was probably best on the ground for the two finals games. And the end of the game, I said, well, geez, my future will be all right. So I went to Jeans and said, what's my future? He <laughs> said, it's St Kilda. He said, you don't have one. Goodness me. And these so were that, just... That just... took me on to Moorabbin. Yeah. Where we played and uh, I played in three consecutive grand finals. 
St Kilda seconds in 1961, Moorabbin in 62, where we were 11 goals up at three-quarter time and got beaten by a point by Goodness. Sandy. Yeah. And then the following year, we beat Sandringham by about 15 goals in the grand final. Uh, in those days, a lot of our listeners in my age group and your age group remember that Saturdays was huge for the VFA as well. There was no Sunday VFA in those days. And no, the, no the, that's true. The Moorabbin ground, that's... I can remember as a young kid going up there and watching Moorabbin. Uh, I think uh, Max Papley might have been a young player and the cup from uh, Aspendale and a young Lindsay Fox, so I've been around yeah. a while. Yeah, OK. Well, well, Papley was captain of that early team uh, and I was vice-captain. Yes. Um, we had in 61 and 62, or 62 and 63, 12 ex-league players. Don Bricker was the chairman of the club and he wanted to bring league football to Moorabbin. Yes. So he recruited 12 league players and uh, that played with Baravan that following year. Goodness me. Uh, and, and, my my co-ruckman was Hooker Harrison that played with Collingwood. Yeah, in the 1958 grand final and is uh, credited with putting Ron Barassi out of the game. Hooker, my goodness me, and then had a great yeah. career at Sandringham. Uh, yeah. But that was just a few years before that. I think I think the move from this junction over by St Kilda to Linton Street, Moorabbin, was as, was as important in that era of football than the Richmond Football Club moving to the MCG to kick it long to uh, to big forwards. Uh, but you were just probably three or four years too early to be involved because Alan Morrow took over your ruck position. Yeah, no, well, Alan, Alan was with us all the way from, oh, 67 hmm. when he come down, or 57, rather. Yes. Uh, when he... Uh, played the first six games that year on a permit and came back to St Kilda the next year. Yes. He, w- he worked for me uh, for 32 years before he retired. Goodness me. Uh, a, a fantastic man. Yeah. And a pretty good fisherman too. He always tells me he could catch surf fish better than I can salmon. Lindsay Fox <laughs> has joined us tonight, uh, folks, and Tobin Brothers are supporting our show, Lindsay, but I don't think you're going to Tobin Brothers. You look after yourself pretty well, despite the fact that you could buy most hospitals. No, I think I've got to deal with one of the others. <laughs> no problem at all. Tell us about uh, tell us about your your time at the Melbourne High School, particularly in year ten, when at sixteen you were given a, a pretty big wake up call by the headmaster, who said that you weren't much good. No, I was at Melbourne High School in nineteen fifty two um, and fifty three. In 52, uh, I was in the third form. and 53, I was in the third form. Yes. And I lasted half the year in uh, the second period, and I decided that I was not going to be an academic. <laughs> years after I left school and I had the teacher, a fellow called Wilbur Cortis, uh, he was my form master, and he was home for dinner, and my son Andrew looked across the dinner table at him he used to tutor all my boys, mm. and Andrew said to him, oh, what sort of a student was Dad, Wilbur? I said to myself, the shit's going to hit the fan now. <laughs> His reply was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He said, your father was an excellent student. The biggest issue was the teachers didn't know what to teach him. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that right throughout my life. Yes. But Melbourne High School was a great institution, People like Wilbur Cordes, George Langley, that was the principal, uh, Bill Woodfall, that was the deputy principal, uh, did more in, in the form of 
establishing standards for young people. And they certainly did that for me, and I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Academic side, no, sure, that was a weakness. But the standards that I got from that school still are clearly visible in my memory. When I think of the Monday morning assemblies where we sort of stood and uh, made the allegiance of I love God and my country, I'll honour the flag, I'll serve the king, yeah. and cheerfully obey my parents, teachers, and the laws. Yeah. The silly politicians took that away from state schools. Yeah, and the thing about it is in the modern day, if you actually point your finger at a kid, they'll... Uh They'll actually make a complaint about you. But anyway, don't start me on that business. Tell us about your, your, your first job as a truck driver and that famous purchase of your first truck. Okay, I bought the first truck off a company called EV Tims. They were wreckers in, in, uh, in Collingwood. Uh, they've now got a property out uh, the back of Broad Meadows there. And I bought it on four 100-pound uh, promissory notes. Wow. Uh, apparently he liked the colour of my eyes and believed that I could fulfil the obligation. Years later, he came back to me and said that, uh, Lindsay, I shouldn't have taken the 400 quid. I should have left that invested in you. For sure. It would have been fantastic at any stage. And I know you're only young, Lindsay Fox. At any stage when you bought this truck, did you think, I can turn this into a good business or a small business? Or what were your thoughts? Because you obviously didn't stop at one truck. Initially, my object was to get uh, three days a week work for £10 a day. Mm. And then it sort of went on from there. And each of the customers all became personal friends. And I guess one of the greatest uh, things that I learned was make sure you employ people that are twice as good as you in your weaknesses. Yeah. I think even the night I spoke to you and Paula on the way home from the opera or the theatre or something like that, you said, I said, what's, what's, what's the secret? It's no secret. Just surround yourself with good people. That's what life's all about. Good people, good friends and health. Let's, uh, before we go on to the trucking business and, uh, and, and, and the worldwide success, uh, go to Golden Point Football Club. In those, yep. in those days, country footy was absolutely huge, wasn't it? Because a lot, of, a lot of blokes left the game early, like Bobby Rose at Collingwood, I think, left at 24 years of age and, and coach Wangaratta in the Ovens yeah. and Murray. And Golden Point up there at the Bendigo League, that was a serious, serious competition. No, it, it was not Bendigo, it was Ballarat. Ballarat, I beg your pardon. Yes, and, Ballarat Football uh, League, yeah. Golden Point, I played with Point. Yeah, and was picked in the combined Ballarat League side, yes. played in the country championships, and all the all the league uh, scouts were always at, at those those games. Yes, it, it, just on a just on a personal note, have you seen people you know probably like Bobby Muir who you played with, and other people who you played with along the way? <laughs> if you played twenty games, there's got to be a few there who should have played a hundred or hundred and fifty games, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the ability that you actually can actually make the the, the grade at the top league. No, well, the, the elite players had everything in natural ability to play the game and. Uh, better than that, they trained so hard to get to that point. I was lazy and relied on the strength, not the football ability. Yeah, and cash flow is an important thing in today's business, there's no doubt about it. Uh, well, your own body's the best example of that. 
you run out of blood and you die. <laughs> ab- 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 absolutely. Uh, you've always had a fantastic philosophy, you know, to surround yourself with good people. And you must even in your 83rd year on this planet just feel a real warmth when you see that uh, truck go past you or passing another fox. Yeah, well, I always enjoy seeing the truck. Yeah. Do, do you believe that, that uh, even in your 83rd year on the planet, that, that there is a reason why you get up every day and you go to work? Uh, job satisfaction. Yes. Now, if you enjoy what you do, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to get out of bed and uh, become involved in, in what's happening within your organisation. Yes. Today we employ 36,000 people in 11 countries. <laughs> Isn't that just wonderful? Now, let's talk about your, 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 your wife, Paula, who you met. Uh, did you meet Paula at a dance in about 19... 19- no, no, no. St. Moritz Ice Skating. Really? She was, she was 15, I was 16. How romantic about that. And we've been married 60 years in November this year. Isn't that amazing that she's been through thick and thin with you and it's just absolutely magnificent to see you surround yourself by family. And, and, and most of your family are in, involved in the business. Yeah, they're all involved in one way or another. Now, I asked you if it was all right to bring up uh, in the last couple of years while I've been doing this program, I've spoken to Ian Stewart about losing a child. Uh, Amy, I've spoken to Stan Ells about losing Matthew. And I just wanted to ask you, not not so much to pry, but to inspire other people. Uh, when when you lost uh, David, and uh, no, not David, I, I Michael. Beg, I beg, beg your pardon. When you lost Michael, uh, I might just pick that up. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. And and I'll just pick that up with Lindsay Fox in three, two, one. And when you lost Michael, Lindsay, it must have absolutely just drained the very lifeblood out of you. How do you actually get yourself up and keep going? Because of all of the people around you, your children, and you have to lead from the front so that you don't let them fall down the cliff. Yes. You take the fall and you help prop them up. And out of that, my kids look after situations with their families, with their friends that are having down and outs. I grew up where caring and sharing was a prime requirement for a working-class family. Yes. If the people next door never had a loaf of bread or a pound of butter or a leg of lamb, the old man would go and deliver it to them. And this this is a custom and practice that I'm fortunate that all of my kids have done the same thing. Yes. In death in a family, the response my kids have to anybody else in a similar situation is exactly the same as I would do in the same situation I was prevailed when Michael took his own life. Yes, and uh, it, it just must have been absolutely devastating for the whole family, uh, you know, when uh, when David uh, and his sister Katrina found the young boy. Um, yep. But but you have been an inspiration, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Lisa is not involved in the business, but she lives in New York. How long has she yes. been in New York? She's been there for 26 years. She's coming back next year. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah. But, but but Peter and David, they're well and truly right up the tree in the succession stakes, I believe. Yeah, well, Peter, Andy and David are all doing fantastic work within the company. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the Avalon Airport and, uh, and, and the Fox's uh, vision for opening that up to further international flights. Okay. Well, Avalon's now got two flights a day with Air Asia 
by the end of the year, there'll probably be another three or four other international uh, companies flying in and out of Avalon to various parts of Asia. Yes. Do, do, you, do, do most of your grandchildren realise the, 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 the pro, not the priority, but the, the profile that you have all over the world with your business? No, the, the kids, uh, I'm just the regular granddad. Yeah. Uh, don't need any more. That my my children that uh, are adults today. They're all sort of between uh, forty nine and uh, fifty nine. Uh, they're mature. They know it's happening, and uh, they're great workers for the long being of their own children. So all of what we've done goes to my children, and in turn will go to their children. So. The bloodline of the foxes will get stronger as time goes by. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Now, before we wrap it up, St Kilda have had a pretty good start to the year. Uh, you know, there's a long way to go, and, of course, that's a cliche we use on Throwout W Football a lot. But tell us about the situation that saw you go back to Linton Street, Moorabbin, as the president. Okay. It was 1979. St Kilda had a couple of million in debt, and... Banks had a lot of pressure on them. Uh, we had to do some drastic things to revolve uh, that debt and convert it into either a combination of sponsorship. The amounts of funds that were owed to the players, I think they only got 40%. They all had to take sacrifices. If we hadn't have done all of those things, St Kilda would have been the first football club to go in liquidation. Yeah. And that would have been absolutely devastating because I can remember, you know, later on when, uh, as a Richmond Premiership player, I stood with other stars on the Punt Road intersection uh, with Swan Street uh, shaking cans to try and raise $2 million, and we did that. It's just, it's, it's, great, it's a great effort that actually St Kilda did survive. Well, everyone loves a winner, and in those days, St Kilda was anything but a winner. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you're famous for throwing your, your parties and uh, also for never forgetting where you come from, and there's another big celebration for your 83rd birthday coming up very, very soon. And what, yeah. what's in store for this one, Lindsay? Oh, just a group of guys all coming together celebrate that we're all still here. Isn't that magnificent? And once again, Lindsay Fox has been good enough to join us over the last two nights. And once again, before I say thank you, Lindsay, and uh, you inspire a lot of people, and thank you for your honesty throughout your private and your, uh, and, and your business life, just give us that philosophy of the Fox that started off with that one truck way back all those years ago. Uh, the simple one is Henry Ford. Yes. Or no, Mark Twain it was. The harder... No, the... Harder you work, the luckier you become. Absolutely. And the other great one was Henry Ford. Yes. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right on Put both cases. Put those two together and that's where <laughs> I'm travelling.